I know I know how to find the sad moments. <laughs> I can't let you yeah. end it positive. <laughs> Welcome to episode 47 of the Humanist Agenda podcast. My name is Kenny. I'm Sherry. I'm Rory. And we're back for another episode. And two out of three of us have the power of mRNA flowing <laughs> through our bodies. Oh. <laughs> We've been microchipped. <laughs> My 5G signal is now amazing, but I have this sudden urge to keep buying Microsoft products for some reason. Not really sure why, but... <laughs> It's okay. We need to pace it out. So next episode, Rory, you can be vaccinated too. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. That way I don't have to be shamed for consecutive episodes. <laughs> We've done enough shaming of you outside of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the constant nagging. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've texted Rory at least 20 times being like, are you going to sign up for your vaccine? Hey, are you? Did you see that you can sign up? Are you signing up? <laughs> You're not alone, Rory, because I keep like looking at appointment dates and I'm like sending it to people that I know. Like, oh, did you get your vaccine? Did you know that you know next weekend is open? <laughs> oh, you pushers. It has to come from within, though. It has to be that mounting drive to want to be safe via vaccination. As much information as gets rained on poor recipients like myself. Or we have just uh, battered your defenses all the way down. <laughs> That you have no choice. <laughs> I guess we'll never know whether I have, in fact, been brainwashed. I, th I think it's Kenny's uh, option of we just battered you down enough. <laughs> <laughs> we bugged you enough to do this, and we are grateful that you are getting it done. I would like to think that I still have some agency in this equation and that I decided for myself that it was a good idea. <laughs> of course, Rory. Of course you decided. You decided this yourself. <laughs> Positive outside influence is good, though. You weren't mean about it. Relentless. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Canada, we're at 50% wow. of the population that's vaccinated. That's actually pretty amazing. I'm actually really surprised that we got to 50%. Yep. And we're actually higher than the U.S., which is also pretty amazing. So. And we still don't yep. have a lottery, though, which sucks. I know. <laughs> See, that's the problem, right? Because if we... If we are so incentivized by ourselves to get the vaccine, there's no need for a lottery. <laughs> so maybe we went about this the wrong way. We should have just not taken the vaccine until they implemented some kind of lottery. Great reason to hold out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you were holding out, Rory. I'm sure of it. Totally is. But then all the rest of the Canadians ruined it for me by being so good about getting vaccinated. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like just us Canadians, we always want to do, you know, what's right for society. So we're always too good. Mm -hmm. Socially responsible. I'd like to think so. Exactly. But so for today's episode, uh, we want to touch on a topic that has come up recently. Uh, and it's essentially about transgender athletes in sports. And the reason why this has been now in the media is because in the U.S., uh, Republican lawmakers uh, in multiple states have actually introduced over 100 bills related to transgender issues uh, this year. And quite a number of them are actually focused on 
uh, transgender women and girls playing in sports. Um, and this obviously kind of brings up a few discussion points that uh, obviously uh, Republicans like to harp on. Uh, but I'll maybe go through uh, a little bit of the history. In February 2020, uh, the families of three cisgender girls filed a federal lawsuit against the Connecticut Association of Schools and the nonprofit Connecticut Interscholastic uh, Athletic Conference and several boards of education in the state. And the reason why was these families were upset that transgender girls were competing against cisgender girls in high school track leagues. And they essentially argued that these transgender girls have an unfair advantage in high school sports and should be forced to play on the girls' team. Um, and I will quote them. It, basically, they stated, when transgender girls compete on girls' sports teams, cisgender girls can't win. Mm. So that's their stance. And this has brought up a few conversations, at least in the media, around, well, uh, is this really based on science? Uh, or is this essentially just discrimination? And we know kind of transgender people are, are discriminated relentlessly right now, uh, whether it's regarding bathrooms and now sports. So this has kind of spurred a lot of conversations about the legality of such rulings and also whether is it fair for kind of transgender uh, girls to play in cisgender girls sports so that's where we are it's a question of uh like discrimination is going to happen in the spirit of promoting fairness in sport the question is whether and to what extent the criteria they're using for disqualifying trans athletes is legitimate. So I read a few things that say that uh, cis men on average tend to perform about 8 to 12% better than the average cis woman, but it's somewhat unpredictable and unreliable. And the advantage for high testosterone women in the range of 2 to 3% or is only about uh, 2 to 3% higher than non-high testosterone women. So it's tough to navigate exactly how much advantage is coming through the uh, endogenous testosterone that's at issue here. Difference being between endogenous and exo exogenous being that uh, endogenous is the testosterone coming from within your own body. Exogenous is, you know, the well-known banned substance of taking testosterone injections as performance enhancers. An endogenous is much lower in terms of a performance enhancer than exogenous. But people tend to conflate the two and think that anytime a person is receiving more testosterone, whether from within or from without, it's the same, same thing, that it's equivalent. Mm -hmm. And one thing to note, um, when this lawsuit was filed, um, just two days before that filing, one of uh, one of these uh, cisgender girls actually beat transgender girls in in one of the competitions. So uh, it, it just seems like they failed to even acknowledge the fact that uh, even though they 
applied the lawsuit, it turns out that the cisgender girl still was able to beat the transgender yeah, girl. But it wasn't, in fact, a guaranteed victory for the for the transgender girl. Wait, did you say her name was Correct. Karen? <laughs> uh, uh, I believe all three families, yes, they are all three, uh, they're all named Karen. Oh, okay, yep. okay. Now that makes sense then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's interesting that we have uh, segregated sports into male and female based on, like, gender, Um, but gender in itself is problematic, which we've come to understand. Like, when we first separated uh, people in sports, it was, like, we had a lot more rigid roles for this, and now, now we've kind of blurred the lines in gender, I feel like over time. And so, yeah, it's really tough. And now we're kind of looking at... I guess, sex, so what you were born as, and and those biological components versus, like, a gender necessarily. But I don't know, like, so you're going to exclude trans people from sports, and then what are they going to do? They're just not going to play sports? Where are we going to go? Exactly. I think where, like, where I find this to be so problematic is the premise that people kind of set is, oh, uh, we have transgender people, uh, essentially, we just need to ban them from certain categories. Yeah. And I, to me, like the right approach would have been, actually, we should view this, we should kind of approach it in terms of inclusivity. Essentially, we have transgender people that exist. How can we include them in sports? But that is not where people are moving towards. People are moving towards, oh, we have transgender people. Let's make sure they do not compete in you know, uh, X, Y, Z categories. Yeah. It seems like a good time to mention two of the, the main Olympic principles that I thought really were relevant and pertain to this. The first being that the goal of Olympism is to place sport at the service of the harmonious development of humankind with a view to promoting a peaceful society concerned with the preservation of human dignity. Another principle, they call it principle four. The practice of sport is a human right without discrimination of any kind and in the Olympic spirit, which requires mutual understanding with a spirit of friendship, solidarity, and fair play. Like both those principles really make it sound like inclusivity is a much higher priority than discriminating on the basis of an imagined competitive advantage being granted from a person's (laughs) biological makeup. And there's all kinds of competitive advantages that are not being acknowledged, like short girls versus tall girls in volleyball. I think there's a much bigger competitive advantage to be gained from height as a natural factor than, you know, endogenous testosterone in that case. Mm -hmm. And the International Olympic Committee has also transgender policies in place already. Now, uh, I'll admit it's actually in transition right now because they're likely to kind of update these policies after the... um, the summer games that may or may not happen this year, depending on COVID. But um, essentially, uh, they've set some previous guidelines in 2015 that permitted the levels of testosterone for transgender people. But those limits are likely to be kind of uh, either modified or some additional policies will be in place uh, just because the the science around testosterone is kind of wishy-washy i mean it's it's so they're trying to yeah it's unreliable because i i think it was previously mentioned you know some cisgender women may actually have naturally more testosterone than others so um 
So the, the, they fully acknowledge that they need to update their um, their policies, and they're trying to work on how to do that. Uh, but essentially, transgender athletes can actually compete in the games. And there's actually one. Uh, oh, sorry. There's actually three transgender females that uh, may be in the Olympics uh, this year as well. Um, and one of them is a transgender weightlifter from New Zealand. And she's won a few uh, kind of uh, competitions in the past, but she had transitioned a few years ago. But when you kind of look at even where she's placed in some of her past competitions, she has never won top spot. She's always won. The best she's did was maybe second place, and uh, other times it's been like sixth place. So even though she's transgender, she hasn't dominated and won every single you know competition against uh, cisgender females. No foregone conclusion. Oh, she's here now. Close the competition. It's over. Exactly. What do you guys think? Uh, this is something that bothered me a little bit about the idea that uh, testosterone suppression should be required in order to get trans women within the, you know, quote-unquote acceptable range to compete in female sport. Do you think it's fair to require medical intervention like that in order to, you know, bring their levels down? Well, there are a couple, uh, or at least one person who's been fighting that recently. Um, I don't know if you want me to get into this now or if you want me to wait. Go ahead. Okay. Um, So Semenya Castor is one of the people who's been in the news um, in the last, I guess, few years since 2019 or so or 2018 um because there was a case that she filed against the International Amateur Athletic Federation um in April of 2018 uh because there was new rules requiring female athletes with differences in sexual development uh otherwise known as intersex so not trans but um you know women who identify as women, uh, born, you know, with some male testosterone that is, is elevated. And so, uh, uh, Semenya challenged those, those rules claiming that they were discriminatory against her. And so the, um, the IAAF, uh, argued that they need to protect female sport because people who are, uh, DSD, the, differences in sexual development, otherwise known as intersex, they have a large advantage is what the IAAF argued. And uh, the IAAF president, Sebastian Coe, said, it is the responsibility of the Federation to create a level of playing field in female sports. We, and he didn't say this, but but my my sort of interpretation of this is we must protect those females, those poor women, those delicate women uh, in female sport, because it just it just reeked of like men coming in and saying we will protect you women because there's no such rules in males, uh, the male sort of side of things like you don't have to have. You know, if you could, if you have a lever, lowered level of testosterone, you can't. It's not like you can compete in the female division because you identify as male. Yeah, yeah. Such a weird expression, don't you think? The the level playing field. Like, I, I'm sure it comes from the metaphors of like uh, soccer and rugby and stuff, where the field should be flat as opposed to tilted, as to give one team a 
a competitive advantage, but you know, it falls into this weird negotiable category of, you know, how level is level, how fair is fair, because if it's perfectly fair, then you're down to competition just being random chance, like coin flip, who's going to win because we've made the the two opposing sides so fair and equal that flip a coin. So we allow some competitive advantages, but not others. And I firmly arrived at the conclusion that uh, testosterone levels are not the most significant competitive advantage that a person can gain in sport and that discriminating on those grounds is wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so many other factors, right? As you already mentioned, height, uh, depending on what sport, it could be muscle mass, it could be your endurance to run and things like that. I mean, there's so many other parameters other than testosterone that make it a really good athlete. Mm-hmm. And that's what Semenya's argument is, is that um, this is sort of like a gift to her, a genetic gift, like some people have long legs or long arms, something like that. It's something she was born with. It's not something, you know, she has any control over. Um, and so the IIA, or what was it, IAAF uh, has said that she needs to control her hormones. So, um <laughs> that just sounds so bad. Excuse me, you need to control your hormones. <laughs> she needs to take drugs that like bring her testosterone down. Yeah. It is yeah, it's really not the right way to go about it. And and telling somebody, yeah. yeah, you were born this way, but we need to like medically alter you so that you can compete. It's just it's just mind-boggling. Yeah, I thought I read somewhere that there's uh negative health impacts taking suppressors as well. I'm not sure exactly what they are, but I definitely encountered that. Yeah, she actually said that um she experienced a lot of side effects, so um she, you know, felt nauseous a lot, she had headaches, things like that. Uh and and so it was actually really detrimental to her. She had abdominal pain even. So and and she experienced mental health issues as well, which obviously comes along because if you're playing with your hormones, like that's going to cause, um, a disruption in terms of, you know, the regulation of, of all these hormones in your body creates mental health issues. Right. So, um, there are dangers to this as well. So not only are you dis like, are you, are you disadvantaging her by like forcing her to take medication that changes her body, but you're also putting her through these side effects, uh, which means she can't perform as well. Um, yeah, and the and you're right, Kenya. The science isn't there for testosterone. Um, the IAAF have done a bunch of studies on this, and that is problematic in itself because they want to uphold their standards of testosterone. Um, and um, yeah, so they actually looked into the relationship between testosterone and performance in in women's events. Uh, and they found, um, five events that, that were, that made an impact, I guess, on, so your testosterone made an impact on these, these five events. However, uh, there is an issue with that because, um, the way that they're testing for, the high levels of testosterone is just sort of a, an observational testing. So if you look 
male, if if anyone has suspicions against you, uh, things like that, that's when they're testing. And among these five events that they tested, um, the biggest differences were in the hammer throw, the pole vault, and then there were smaller differences that were shown for three running events, the 400 meter, the 400 meter hurdles, and the 800 meter. And so the events that are included in the regulation um, are the 1500 meter for which there was no effect uh, was lumped in there uh, as was the mile. So the fact that they're, they're picking and choosing which events they want to take in is really interesting and how they are testing for this is interesting as well. Um, and the IAAF made um, official remarks in 2012 uh, that sort of revealed a little bit about how they're testing um, and and how they're making these judgments. Um, and they they said uh, about their concerns. They said athletics is a whole world of sport, or is a whole world sport. It's not purely the Caucasian sports. We have a lot of people coming from Africa, Asia, and we have a lot of these intersex cases coming from these countries. Hmm. So there's definitely a lot of bias that goes into deciding uh, whether or not to test somebody and um, and what sports to put it in. Because if the 1500 meter doesn't have a marked impact uh, in terms of testosterone, then why are you disqualifying somebody like Semenya from running the 1500 meter? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned kind of uh, when someone something would trigger testing. Uh, One thing I forgot to mention, in Idaho, it was signed into law that if you were accused, you meaning being a student, if you were a student and you were accused of lying about your sex, that student would need to prove their sex through invasive uh, genetic testing and genital examination. This feels so icky. Essentially, Republicans want to look at your genitals to confirm whether you're a male or female. Like, how disturbing is that? It just feels so icky. Yeah, that's that's too much. I, I got nothing to follow that. <laughs> I know, it's, it's just so gross i'm just like oh why like these are literally kids like they're kids playing sports like who cares build up their identities through sports and also you can't always see someone's reproductive organs like in the case of intersex people and there is one more case that i wanted to talk about who is uh her name is annette nagesa um and she was a promising athlete she'd won some awards or some races and things like that uh and she was set to compete in the London Olympics uh that we had you know years ago um and she was contacted about 2 weeks prior to going that her testosterone levels were too high so she was benched uh for the London Olympics um and she identifies as female um and was born with sort of external female genitalia but she also has internal male genitalia as well. Um, and, and that's what's producing the testosterone levels. And so the, uh, the organization, um, that, that, uh, I guess oversees all of this suggested that she get surgery, uh, to remove the male genitalia. Um, 
And so, <laughs> uh, so that she could continue to compete. And so, um, so she claims that the doctor for the world athletics recommended the surgery. The Federation denies this. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily proven or anything, but, um, Negesa has really suffered because of this surgery. So she ended up getting the surgery, but um, now she battles persistent headaches, achy joints. Um, and in her post-operative care, um, it didn't include the kind of hormone treatment that would have helped her body adjust to this change um, of the testosterone being taken away from her body. And so like there was talks about a report sort of being looked into with the uh, World Athletics Association. Um, and in 2013, um, there's a man, Dr. Ber- uh, a person, Dr. Berman, who, who is um, the director of World Athletics Health and Science Department, published a report citing four unidentified athletes um, from developing countries who were referred to hospitals in France for naturally high testosterone levels. And so... All of this happened to Negesa, and uh, she actually couldn't return home um, because uh, LGBT individuals are openly condemned, imprisoned, killed. Uh, So she had to file for asylum in Berlin because of uh, this public information or this information that was made public about her testosterone levels. So it's detrimental, not just to people who decide, you know, they want to compete, but they're born intersex or um, DS or DSD. So yeah, DSD. But it's also like it changes their entire lives because a lot of these people live in countries where you can't go back to living normally, right? That actually made me, uh, all this talk made me think of another thing, which is, uh, you know, not all health services are equal between nations. And if we're talking about international athletics and allowing participation in uh, multinational events, if the athlete comes from a country that, you know, isn't as developed in the healthcare services, you know, what options do they really have at that point to meet the criteria that's being imposed on them? Do they becomes a question of whether it's feasible. It becomes a question of whether it's safe, you know, depending on where they are geographically. It's just another problem to add on to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, geographics have been so um, important. Like as I've talked about with the different, the two athletes that I talked about. Not only um, is it are they targeted because of their geographics, but like also the types of healthcare and things that they would get in that in that country is is you know has a huge impact. Another thing I was going to bring up. You know, alluding to my uh, earlier comment about how some discrimination does happen in in sport and society, I was actually drawing that from the European Commission on Human Rights and the United Nations uh, Universal Declaration on Human Rights that states that determining whether prima facie discrimination can ultimately be justified, a discriminatory policy is permitted when it is in the service of a worthy social goal. So the kind of things they have in mind is normally everybody has a freedom of movement, but if a person commits murder, we take away that freedom of movement in the interests of public safety. So applying that to to this circumstance, can the discrimination against 
trans athletes be justified in the service of a worthy social goal, which in this case is fairness in competition. And I don't think it can. And I don't see the proportionate uh, benefit to society for excluding them. But I'm curious what you two think about that as well. I mean, I think you made a good point earlier about how you can never reach um, equality on a playing field, right? Like if somebody genetically had was born with a third arm, are you going to tell that person that they can't compete um, in the sport because they were born sort of different than other people? It's, yeah, yeah. And I know that like things like boxing and stuff like that is based on weight levels and and things like that. But I just don't think you can ever really get completely fair equal distribution and that's what sports is you you have an unequal distribution somebody has got to be better right we just hope that the the differences come from you know more culturally acceptable things like work ethic and determination you know things that show a good quality of character is what we're after i guess when we're defining who the best at sport is yeah, and it, it's so uh, insulting uh, for a trans person to have put in so much work, you know, and they place in a great position in their competition. And if they are then accused, well, you only won this competition because uh, because you're a trans, I mean, it's it kind of completely takes away from all the hard work and uh all the training that they would have done in order to actually be able to place in, you know, whatever, the top five or yeah, whatever. super reduction, ignoring all those positives that have gone into making this person, you know, in many cases, a world-class athlete. Something else I, uh, I wanted to pose as a, a question to you two is this idea that, um, that the participants in the sport should be polled, that their democratic opinion should be what determines whether trans athletes are allowed to compete alongside them or not. What do you two think of that about the people sharing the field with them, whether they should have a say in whether their co-athletes are allowed to participate alongside them? So mean, meaning, for example, if you had a trans athlete who wants to compete in this particular sporting event, the, the other participants would have to vote to have them actually play. Right. Something along those lines, because it's another idea that comes from uh, more conservative arguments that there has to be an issue of informed consent in order to allow this person to be a co-competitor, which uh, I have my own thoughts, but I want to hear what you guys that, thought first. I mean, that doesn't sound very fair for <laughs> the athlete. Yeah, that athlete has to make that decision at that point to say, hey, I don't want you competing. Like, that's not fair to them. Also, informed consent? What is that? <laughs> Can we just address that one? What does it mean to have informed consent? Do I need to know everything about the people I'm competing against? Like, that's ridiculous. If I was about to compete in a sprint and Dane Bolt was over there, I think I would uh, withhold my informed consent. He's going to whoop my butt. I'm not going to compete against him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's assumed that the people who are at the top of their field want to play the people who are at the top of their field or compete against those people. So it's assumed that, you know, you would be as, you know, 
on an equal, not an equal, uh, as good enough to run against Usain Bolt and therefore would run against him to see if you could win, uh, as opposed to like you, Rory, now, you could never win Usain against Usain Bolt, so you would say no right now. But if you were a good runner, you might say like, yeah, fine, because I want to compete against the best. The spirit of competition that I want to test myself and push my limits. Yeah. For sure, mm-hmm. and and that's all an assumption. Though. Even if you end, even if you end up last, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all an assumption, though, because like we know that there is corruption in sports. We saw it in, you know, it, it's just so evident in, in like sports, like um, you know, um, ice dancing and figure skating and stuff like that. Like, there's so much bias that goes into like when you bring a judgment in, right? I mean. The the argument I had against this whole polling thing was that it's automatically first treating trans athletes under the assumption that they are lesser than and that they need to be allowed in. And they're at a massively unfair bargaining position in this. And that does what they say matter is they're at this point are going to be the population minority. So they're going to be outvoted no matter what. Yeah. And wouldn't people... I mean, you know, I, there's intent and then there's the incentive piece, but wouldn't people be incentivized to vote them not to compete because you're essentially increasing your chances of actually winning, right? The less people competing, the more chances you're going to win. I feel like the the Karen parents who were uh, we were focusing on the at the beginning with you, Kenny, that's exactly the position they would take. Uh, well, let's get these uh, strong competitors out of the way using this uh, system of logic and the odds of our little our little child are so much better now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, to me, I mean, this all comes down to inclusivity. And when it comes to sports, I mean, the whole point of uh, having sports in high school and in the Olympics is to create that inclusivity and try to uh, compete with good faith that you know we're we're we all understand uh, the ground rules of a particular sport and competition, and let's you know go out there and essentially show off our skill and uh, you know all all of our training that we've done. You know we're we're gonna essentially determine you know who can be the best and who can beat the other team. Yeah, as opposed to taking that giant step backwards, like to a time pre-civil rights era when there was racial segregation in sports like baseball because we just didn't consider it fair or equal to allow different racial groups to compete together in a sport. Is that the kind of reasoning we're applying, the the reasoning we've moved beyond to now apply to trans athletes? Yeah, I think that's a good point about, you know, we've done this throughout history of, we've said, you know, only Caucasians play against Caucasians and and the blacks can play against the blacks and and they can't play together and yeah yeah i think yeah we we've done so many made these horrible judgments as a human race i think we need to reevaluate a lot of our decisions moving forward and keep those in mind right especially yeah. since logistically you could do that with racial groups because the population was enough to sustain it, but you can't even really have sport if the population group trans athletes is too small to form teams and have adequate competition within group. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually curious how things will evolve in the future Um, because right now a lot of sports are gendered. You have males, male sports, male teams, 
say female sports, female teams. Um, and to me, it, it's clear there we we can't have a specific transgender kind of uh, you know specific sports and teams as well. Uh, when you just look at who gets the, all the money and the funding, it's always uh, male sports, and then female sports get essentially the scraps when it comes to any funding sponsorships. I mean, I could just imagine any trans specific uh, sports or team is literally going to get nothing in terms of sponsorship or attention. But uh, that's why I'm thinking in terms of the future, I'm, I, I'm would, I would be curious as to whether we transition away from male and female specific sports. I don't think we will. I don't think I, I fe- it feels like there's so much legacy <laughs> that we might not. But I I also feel like why wouldn't we have just a sports team and a sports game that who whether it's male or female, essentially the best athletes form a team and compete against other teams. I can see merit to that for sure. I know that uh, one of the counter arguments you're going to face if you do start promoting uh, we, we mixed uh, gender in sport is uh, again, like Sherry was mentioning before, of the protecting of of women. You're going to hear a lot of comments about how they're going to be injured and damaged because they're they're playing against and with much larger, more physical specimens. So, has anyone not seen women's rugby? They can. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they can take on the men. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did kind of look into a little bit of arguments against um, allowing um, trans people or um, DSD or intersex uh, people to compete uh, in the gender they identify with. And there are, 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 are sorry, there are arguments um, like, you know, bigger bone structure for men, greater lung capacity, um, larger heart size. So like biological stuff, um, in there. Um, and apparently testosterone also promotes muscle memory. And so it's, yeah, an ability to regain muscle mass after a period of detraining by increasing the number of nuclei and muscles and these added nuclei don't go away. So, yeah, so this this is coming specifically from an article I read, um, and it said that transgender women have a heightened ability to build strength even if, after they transition. That's sort of the idea behind it. I would be very curious to know how much of that is scientifically proven. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how much of this is totally... Um, you know, on the up and up. Cause I didn't really look into it. I'm not a sciencey person. Uh, yeah. So I don't know too much about testosterone and how it works in the body. Um, but it, it, it also was found that not every male, um, advantage dissipates when testosterone drops. Um, so, you know, um, testosterone might not be the key to, sort of differentiating in sports if we need to differentiate at all yeah yeah i like the idea of maybe combining like you said i mean if we think about our options here it's sort of like um you know the 
transgender, intersex, or DSD people can compete in their own category and not get funded and, and sort of be considered like a freak league almost. And then, or these people can have some sort of medical interventions to help them compete. Um, or maybe we can combine if it's a team sport, like why could we not have like baseball teams with half female, half male and, I don't understand why we have male baseball teams and female baseball mm-hmm. teams. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that's where I was thinking in terms of like in the future, I'm wondering whether things might gravitate uh, as we become more progressive. Well, hopefully maybe <laughs> um, whether like sports will also kind of evolve to potentially include kind of male and female uh, i i was trying to think through would it make sense to have like a you know like a elite league and then maybe just a not so elite <laughs> league where uh but then in my mind like okay the elite league everyone's just gonna watch the elite one which mm-hmm. may then end up being more male dominated anyway so um but uh, i i know i don't know uh, i i like the idea of even like if you were to force a 50-50, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it would be an interesting game. I, I, I feel like we just don't know because no one has ever done it. I, well, it's true. The untested experiment, how can we really prejudge it? Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever get there, though. I think, I think you are very optimistic about where we are going in sport. Sport is such a, like, machismo kind of thing. Even, like, women's... I guess view you viewpoints towards women's sports, but it's this very machismo thing of like we have these traditions and we have these values that we must uphold, um, and yeah, it feels a little bit, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, often misogynistic, and uh, and I don't see that changing really ever next hundred years, at least not changing. really, yeah, oh. I mean, it'd definitely take a big cultural shift away from the way sports are currently being viewed. Sorry, Kenny, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I feel like, we, I mean, in school, do, do, they not, do they always separate these games? Or are there ever any games that do 50-50? Well, I feel like I'm, I'm like tapping into like my childhood memories, but I feel like I played games where it was like 50-50. It was a forced 50-50. Well, like gym classes are segregated for the first few years. And then you can take, I I don't know if it's, I can't remember because I don't teach it or anything, but I think it's like grade 11 or 12 where you can take a combined gym class. Um, I remember taking gym like throughout my high school career just to, you know, have exercise and things. And I remember doing um, like, co-ed games where the males were forced to pass to us that's how that's how we played because otherwise they didn't pass to the females on the team so there had to be rules in place where the men had to were forced to make three throws or whatever to women before they could score a goal so i'm so not optimistic men are the worst I'm so not optimistic. You're much more optimistic than me because I do remember my high school days where we had to regulate rules where men had to include us in their games. <laughs> I'm literally picturing like <laughs> a co-ed team and men are literally just passing the ball to 
other messages, like le- the women just standing around doing nothing. Just like pylons on the field as they pass around. <laughs> Sounds like you had a camera in my grade 12 gym class. <laughs> yeah, because that's how it went. It's, yeah. Men are also taught to be, you know, uber competitive. And, um, and I think there is some sort of, you know, something to be said for the fact that they're also taught to value other men in sports versus valuing females. That's my thought is I, mm-hmm. I feel like these young boys need a, a real lesson in learning the athletic merits that their female counterparts possess so that they don't feel the need to pass around them, that they can recognize the contributions that they can make. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to maybe leave on a, more positive note. Um, so, is there a positive note to make here? <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> so at least in Canada, I'll at least I'll name off a couple uh, Canadian kind of sports policies. But the Canadian Center for Ethics and Sports uh, have a, a policy that basically considers you know an athlete to be eligible to compete. Uh, based on whatever gender they want. So uh, for for them, you know, whatever you, uh, whatever gender you identify with, you can just play in uh, whatever sport. And for uh, youth sports, which is the uh, governing body for varsity in Canadian universities and colleges, uh, an athlete can choose to compete in or to participate in a team uh, based on the gender that they were assigned at birth or gender as they identify. So uh, they're also uh, open and they've been pretty vocal in terms of kind of supporting uh, any changes to uh, policies and obviously uh, against any laws that would also kind of uh, limit participation from trans athletes. So at least in Canada, we have some <laughs> some policies that allow trans athletes to participate in. I do find it I do find it slightly mind boggling that more places don't have policies like these. Um, just because, like, when you think about it, why would somebody want to identify as trans just to compete at a level that they would win at? Right, like to um, like like falsely identify as trans because there's so much, so many trans people who are targeted and, and it's not like this, mm-hmm. this um, elevated position in society. You're literally downgrading yourself like socially in order to be playing. So why would mm-hmm. somebody do that falsely? Like there's no, not going to be people who abuse these policies and are like, Oh, I mm-hmm. can't make it in the men's league. So I'm just going to, um, I get surgery and compete in the women's league. Like it just seems like we're yeah. going to all this trouble for not a lot of for something that doesn't happen. <laughs> like yeah. it's something that a myth about yeah. the way these people are are holding their priorities as if sport was yeah. the priority and trans was the the pathway to get to being more successful at sport. Yeah, right. A system that was never abused in the first place. So I'm glad that Canada does have these rules. I wish it was international because uh, we think about, you know, we've got the Olympics potentially coming up. Um, and when you get all these countries together, these countries, 
you know, a lot of them, many, many, many of them don't have quite as progressive, you know, rules and laws as Canada does. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Slow progress. But, I know, uh, I know I, how to find I, the sad moments. <laughs> I can't let you yeah. end it positive. <laughs> yeah. But I... I will continue to kind of support the good fight from our trans athletes for equality. And um, I, I wish them the best of luck in their competitions and looking forward to assuming the Olympics happens this year. I don't know if it will, but uh, if it does, uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see um, uh, the, these uh, three transgender athletes now in the Olympics, which I think might be the first time we have openly transgender people in the Olympics. So exciting times. It mm-hmm. is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So thanks for joining us today and we'll talk to you next time. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.